Are you ready to go? Pixie? Welcome to Okashina Podcast Anime with Friends. I am Sabrina Ray. That is Dawn, and we are your hosts for the absurd, the lovely, the weird anime, including the one we're doing uh, this whole block. Sarazanmai. Cycle is a good word for it. Sarazanmai, which is Kunihiko Ikuhara's um, most recent animated series as of this recording. Uh, It was done in I want to say 2017, but, but anyway, 2019. Was it 2019? I'm it, sorry. It's just I always the, get that it's wrong. the longest. We're literally in the longest year. Yeah, 2019 is correct. Right. <laughs> Last year seems like a decade ago. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, I don't. It is. It is the best of times. It is the worst of times. So, speaking of the worst of times, we had a hurricane here. Except by the time it got to us, it was downgraded to a tropical storm. And like, yeah, don't don't make mountains out of molehills. Wait a sec. Let me finish. Mm-hmm. Not only did it knock down a ton of trees, and it sounded like banshees howling outside our window, but um, we lost power for like three days, and we lost internet for four. And my job is an editor, so I was, like, just trying to, like, piece together energy from all the different places. Like, oh, does this juice, what do they call those things? Those juice pads or whatever they're called? Like a juicer. Like a juicer. Like, it's like a a portable energy storage device. It's, it's like a battery, but it like it holds a charge. So if you're like on vacation and you run out of like phone power, you can plug oh, it yeah. into the juicer. They don't call it a juicer; they call it a uh, a juice man, <laughs> a portable battery, external battery. I don't know. That's it not what they call it. They, oh I God. have one, and I've used it for years. I don't know how you can like come down on me when I own literally three of them, and you don't three know what it's called. I so just, I guess charger. Not a That's big the fan. word. I, I call it a charger. A charger? Yeah. I know what a charger is, Dime. A charger is the thing you plug into the wall and then you plug your phone into that. Nope. If I'm that's looking for a what juicer. Yeah, you can, then I will be happy to send you a juicer and some carrots and you can make yourself a nice beverage. Well, you know that I love anthropomorphic rabbits, so. I don't want you to juice any rabbits. I don't think that would either. I don't want to juice them. <laughs> I want to feed them happy smoothies. Well, first of all, the carrot juice is for you, and then they can eat the pulp, I guess. Well, I don't know that they I would. Guess. I don't know. Are you hungry? What was that? I, it was <laughs> That was thunder. I did not know that it was raining tonight. It is definitely oh, no. raining. Hopefully, you don't get hit by a storm, We, Mr. Downplaying Everything. Anyway, one last thing about the storm. Not only did I lose all that, and, you know, I was at my wit's end because my daughter's what iPad did you ran lose? out of power. Oh, you, oh, this, this is the bit you failed to mention. You failed to mention that you lost power. You said that a lot of trees uh, came down. No, I, I lost power. I lost internet. I was several days, Don. Keep up. Oh, my gosh. How did you survive without internet? Lightning came down not too far from the neighborhood, and it created lava. It, like it, it, it turned, like, the ground molten. And like I went out and took pictures of it, and it's just like oh yeah, you did. I saw those. It's like a little yeah, it's like a little asphalt river. Yes, uh, that's not lava, like but I will river. agree with you that it is interesting and fascinating. 
Yeah, it's a it's like a molten metal uh, flow that then solidified. I hope you don't lose power because uh, that would be bad. It is the only the last time I lost power was when no joke the actual utility pole fell down and into my home, <clears throat> sending forty thousand volts into my um, fireplace and shorting out the gas line, causing a spontaneous combustion in my wall, which did uh, involve some insurance damage. Uh, did it also go into your anus? <laughs> Is there any... You know, I think I would have been aware. Lightning shoot Although in there I will tell you, uh, nothing has made me wake up more quickly uh, at five in the morning than a utility pole slamming into the side of your house with... I mean, it sounded... <laughs> It sounded like it a sounds field terrifying. Of, it was honestly. terrifying. It, like it came down, and I was like, oh, "What is that? What? What is it?" And um, I like ran over to the window, and Yang was kind of like, "What? What?" Is, and I'm like, "How can you not be absolutely wide awake right now? How do you not have adrenaline flowing through every portion of your body?" And then it was not even 15 seconds later, and I said, "Do you hear that sound?" And that sound was the sound of the gas that you know, just flowing freely in my wall. No. And she was like, yes. And I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. We totally have a gas leak. I did not at that point know where to go to turn off the gas for my home. Um, I do now. I bet you learned right quickly. I did not learn right quickly. We opened all the windows up here and um, I freaked out. And I did see the the fire start at the particular gas point. Um, And there at that time I was a slob. I'm still a slob. But we had a bunch of boxes of papers and things uh, stacked up around the fireplace because we were never using this fireplace. And uh, I had to move those out of the way right quick because I did not want a bunch of flammable things right next to it. Well, Don, I'm not a priest. I can't I can't absolve you of the sin of your slovenliness. Um, So we got to get on with the show. I I hear you. you. I'm going a little too far in this anecdote. Um, let me just yes. say, we don't lose power very frequently, so I think I'm going to be A-OK. Yeah, they probably want to hear about the show that we're covering. And this week we're covering episodes 9 and 10 of Sarazan Mai. There's only 11 episodes, so we're right towards the finale. Lots of big reveals, lots of bombshells. I, I confess that I was uh, disappointed that I had to stop watching at, at that juncture. Because I really wanted to like, I wanted to finalize it. I wanted to, to go to the end here. What is going to happen? Yeah, I mean, when I watched it the first time, I went through the last three all at once. Yeah. <laughs> it leaves you hanging. We start off, and last episode was a cliffhanger. Anta is laid up in the hospital. He's been shot by Rayo, who uh, is attempting to steal the... He stole the dishes of Hope, um, so they can't help Toei. And now Toei's like on his collision course with his brother's fate. Although Toei, Toei has already selected that fate at this point. I mean, he did Toei, and he didn't. He did and he didn't. If he had gotten the plates, maybe he wouldn't have had to select that fate. Well, yeah, but, but the issue was he, at the, I believe at the end of episode eight, or even at the beginning of episode eight, was when they find out, hey, the plates are gone. It was Enta who stole them. Because the plates are not, and they couldn't find Enta. So because they couldn't find Enta, even though Enta was hanging out with Chikai, then Toei's like, well... There is no solution. I do have to go with my brother. And he's resigned pretty much, as far as I can tell, through that the entirety of episode eight. So there's no big change there. And he is, at that point, totally unaware, as we enter into episode nine, of what has befallen Enta. But he's not unaware of the fact that the plates no, are gone. correct. 
but he thought that Enta had them, not that. That's true, and you brought that up, and it's kind of funny because you'd think he would just be like, "Give me the plates, or I'll stab you with my ruler blade." <laughs> this is actually not resolved. We don't know why they just don't go to Enta and be like, "Enta, where are the plates?" Enta appears to be avoiding them. We now know that Rayo has them, though. He didn't steal well, them in this episode. He stole them in the previous episode. Why is it in between the beginning of episode eight and the end of episode eight? Was there no interaction between Kazuki, Enta, and Toy, whereby the plates could therefore be obtained? No, I, Enta was bringing them back when he got shot. Yes, but that was at the very end of the episode. So, if they had somehow caught up with Toei and told him that they have the plates now, I guess it could have resolved that way. But let's move on and and, and just say that Absolutely. we had a huge emotional, um, we had a huge emotional cliffhanger as well. In that Kazuki cut off, he put Enta outside his friend circle. He cut him off. You know, in 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 Japanese, there's like this this like severing. It's like a severing of a relationship. And once you're severed, it's just you're gone. And so there's sort of a finality to the way that like um, Kazuki cuts him off and doesn't, I guess he doesn't trust him anymore. It's not really clear exactly why he does it or overreacts in that way. Uh, He's done with his shit. And as you were pointing out, um, and I was kind of, I was like, Enta's not that great a guy. Turns out Enta's been doing this for years for Haruka. And Kazuki has just not seen it. He's just been oblivious well, to it, dealing with his own shit. Whether or not he has He's been taken care it. of. He's been doting yes. on Haruka, taking care of his brother for years. Yes. And he's been invisible, basically. Yeah, he is not... Uh, it's unclear to me whether Kazuki knows about it, but it doesn't appear to have much of an impact, or whether he completely doesn't know about it at all. It's... If he knows, it's he's never registered what it means. Yeah, it seems like he's deliberately obtuse or comically obtuse about the whole thing. Like even when he, when Kazuki dresses up as um, Sara, and uh, and then who is the person bringing Haruka to Sara? It's Enta. Right. Enta, I mean, <laughs> and then you would think that. Kazuki might be surprised or or acknowledge or something when when all is said and done that hey you know that's that's Enta who's doing this no I didn't see any of that one of the themes of these of, of, of this sort of arc is sort of that things aren't being said and people aren't noticing the ways that <laughs> people aren't noticing things like Mabu and Rei are sort of like, uh, Reo, I'm sorry, are sort of moving in opposite directions, despite they both think they understand the situation. But in truth, neither of them knows exactly or is able to communicate what's actually happening. It, it makes sense to me that like, in this early going, we see that Kazuki has been sort of like, oblivious to what, to Enta's feelings, basically. Yes. Let's go on to Shikai and Toi. Uh, we'll just keep it. This this episode is called I Want to Connect, But I Can't Express It. So that's kind of what I was trying to say just now mm-hmm. is um, people want to connect. They can't express it. And that's uh, that is a literal meaning. 
with Rayo and Mabu, which doesn't come in until episode eight, 10, really, the res- resolution of that. But in this episode, they, they give you strong indications that there's some deal that's happened and each side has a different interpretation of the deal. Like each side's been given a different Faustian bargain. Yes. It, it, the whole thing, honestly, this is a, a point at which I find this, the, the plot lines to be confusing or opaque. Um, I, there is a lot of Mabu and Ray going on here, but I still don't, I, I still, this is, you and I were discussing this earlier. Their backstories are still completely unknown to me exactly how they fit into the pantheon of characters and how they how they really interact how they their previous relationship with Kepi with Sarah why well that's a good um, point they are they are kappa we find out mhm uh they don't look like kappa until no. they transform into kappa well but then everybody looks like a kappa so that's less right but they, they they resume their human forms after resolving that as well which we'll talk about later but Ray has a, a Rayo. weird, fantastical... Rayo, sorry, mm-hmm. has a fantastical weapon. I don't know if that's a, supposed to be a manifestation of other powers that he had, or if it's simply this gadget that he's got, and as always... I wonder if it was given to him by the Otter as sort of the tool by which he pays for the service of keeping his love alive. Again, it could be anything. We just we can only speculate. <laughs> there was a Rayo Mabu official Twitter account. Uh, it was a little less um, a fleshing out of their backstory than it was a tease of the show to come because a lot of it came out before Sarazan Mai had even aired. And uh, they were such a mystery at the beginning. So if you were following along, you could sort of piece together their history and discern the fact that they were lovers. There was also a side manga in which they raise a baby Sarah. Wow. So is... let's get to Chikai and Toy because yes. they are together. Chikai has a gun and there's another bag of money. They are they, at the end of episode eight, they, they board the ferry on the beginning of episode nine. They're on the ferry. That's, I believe where uh, Toy gets. Is that where the shootout takes place? It looks no. like it takes place in like an open square garden area. It does. Once the ferry reaches I believe it's an island or something or a transfer site. It, well, it, it's a transfer oh, for them. Okay. Because they're, they get there and then Toei and Chikai meet up with a, a younger brother, Yakuza person that Chikai knows. Masa, his name is. He's like the worst character. <laughs> he is, as far as I can tell, the character with the smallest role uh, in the entire show. He's doting. He's doting, he's friendly, he's too friendly. And uh, when I saw him on screen, I was like, he's very uh, gun downable. And lo and behold, <laughs> I, I will say, you know, does Chikai have a catchphrase? Oh my God, I, I'm going to talk about that. But at one point when the gun, the shootout happens, right? Yeah. Because Chikai, he can't escape his fate. Lots of people have tracked him down who uh, he killed their boss and he can't escape it. And he keeps repeating these different phrases to himself that we've heard throughout the series. One of them is that good guys are the first to die or whatever it is, right? Do you remember what exactly it is? Because I'm sure people are going to be listening to this and like, I can't believe you just say that he always repeats it. Yeah, and then you didn't true. know what it was. 
okay, so it's it's uh, good people die, blah blah blah, and like it, you start to think, like, does Jakai believe this, or is it just some mantra he tells himself, trying to become the person that he needs to be to survive? Because there might be some indication that Jakai is a bad guy, and I wanted to get your opinion on this. There might be some indication that he's not, that he is doing bad things, that he's trying to be the bad guy, that he's telling himself he's the bad guy, but that he's still that boy that wants to be with his parents and make, like, food. And um, I, long story short, he gets shot towards the end of the episode, and it's yeah, you're definitely super traumatic. Because well, it is very dramatic, and it is... He, it, he was holding Toy at gunpoint. After he gets shot, did you notice that he has a picture of his family, I, but everyone's crossed out except his brother, including Chikai himself. So I think I, you have um, glossed over this point a little bit, or a little bit more quickly ahead, than come, I would like. Like circle back to it. He was pointing a gun at his brother and threatening him. Previously in this episode, he had already shot um, Maza, who was his little brother in the gang. So if he is just playing a part and is deep down this little boy who wants to be making food with his parents, he's definitely buried that other part of him so deep. And at a certain point, you are how you represent yourself and you are what you do. And he was the guy who killed Masa. He was the guy who pointed a gun at his own brother. To me, like there are points of irredeemability. And I was frankly feeling like he had crossed that. And I felt like the massive outpouring of grief that Toy had for um, Chikai, while I understand it from a a brother-brother and a traumatic family relationship uh, point, like there was no love lost for me when Chikai died. Like Chikai was like totally chaotic evil. He was a terrible being. And I didn't see any redeeming features about him at all. Well, that's that's another thing I wanted to bring up is like he is presented like he's kind of this cool, like uh, gangster type, you know, like, yes, I don't know, like like you might have seen like in an Al Capone movie or something. Uh, he's just he's handsome. He could have potentially been sort of like our antihero. If the Hmong, if the if the story was different, but it's not. It, he 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 does bad things. We never see him do much good, except he kind of protects his brother through a lot of it. But then we find out when he when his brother overhears him and Masa talking, we find out that most people assume that he used his brother to get rid of uh, the the head of the gang. Uh, he he used him to lure him out so he could kill him. Yeah, or or at least he he was willing to like let that be a possibility. And we've seen him with Enta. He just, he just takes random high schoolers who he just met and throws them in front of armed gang members so he can escape. Yeah. In, in a lot of stories, this would be kind of a charismatic anti-hero girls go Gaga over type, but, and his voice actor um, is, is just, is excellent. I don't know. Like his name is, um, uh, Kenjiro Tsuda, and he plays Overhaul in Boku no Hero Academia, which is almost the same character in a lot of ways. Uh, but I loved his performance there, and I love it here. I, I'm going to ask the uh, question: What is Boku no Hero Academia? Is that um, 
Uh, My Hero Academia is a series. It's also yes, I, I am familiar with it. I so I just I was curious when you said that I was like, oh, is that the My Hero Academia? I think it's the fourth season. I'm not sure. Maybe the third season. I haven't because I haven't been watching the seasons the anime, are kind of weird. But I have read a good deal of the manga, and I actually need to. I stopped reading for a couple of years. I probably want to pick it up again. Anyway, go on. The overhaul arc is really. I really liked it. Um, he he played a gangster yet again. But he he almost makes you like, this is how I feel. He almost makes you like Chikai, even his weird little catchphrases. But when I say that he like is a good person, because as you say, he's done terrible things. But I also think that he is the exact weakness that he sees in the world. And his attempts to make himself stronger are destined to fail because he's not. But what would being stronger mean, do you think? Stronger as in cutting off those emotional ties, cutting off he he tells he tells you flat out what stronger means. It's cutting away things that are weak that are around you because they're not gonna survive and they're just gonna slow you down. Like he had a whole list of things that he that he kind of repeats to himself in his moment of desperation. Perhaps you're right, you know, perhaps he is he's trying to be wicked because he believes that's the only way to survive. Um, paradoxically, it doesn't work for him. He's not able to sever those connections. But I am I am simply not forgiving enough to swoon over this character and his death. Like he, he seems to have been nothing but a force for evil since, since Toy was fairly young. Um, I mean, in my notes I wrote, he is not cool, he is not a badass, he is a killer. And that pretty much sums yeah. him up. I mean, he's he's cruel and he's and he's not even. It's not like there's an exception for Toy. He's pointing the gun at Toy as well. He gets slain in what is possible. So it is possible that 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 is the last connection. And if he is able, perhaps it's this. That's what I'm yeah, thinking. He's supposed to slay Toy so that he can actually sever his connection, and then he will survive. Right. That is the point that you're trying to make. Um, that is the point that I'm trying to make. Thank you for putting it so succinctly. Um, and that's what the that's what I saw in that photo. I saw even himself cut away. That is the last week. Just the brother remaining. Yeah. Uh, but he does get shot. He does die, and Toy does mourn his passing a little too much, in my opinion. I, although I completely understand where Toy is coming from. This is the last human connection he has, and I'm I'm certain that that is the issue that will play out for the remainder of the series um, from Toy's perspective. Liked, I, I just really liked the scene where he died because it, it wasn't super sentimental. It was very bloody. He he dies on top of the, the ferry barge, that he promised yeah. to take Toei away mm-hmm. or the barge. Well, he dies on top of it exactly in the sort of like style that he was planning on escaping with Toei to a new life. Um, and he leaves Toei stranded in the middle of nothing. He he's walked away from his friends. He's lost the only connection he had to his his former self, and I feel like he left Toei all alone, just like his parents did. And it, the last thing he does is he he slaps him with money and says like, "Take care of yourself, get some food or something." And there's a couple ways you could interpret that, but um, it definitely calls back to the same time like after his parents died, Chikai does bad things. And gives money to Tony yes. to like survive, and you know it's the it's the natural arc and progression of um, 
I am repl- I am replaced by money and anything good that I brought to your life, it must be replaced by money for you. Um, like Oof, you, yeah. you know, there is, and this is why I'm, why I'm fairly certain we have toy raging and, you know, spinning and throwing the money away because he doesn't want the money. He wants the connection. He wants his brother. Um, again, I find that challenging, but I understand the sentiment. On the other hand, you know, part of me was like, come on, dude, don't throw away all the money. It's, it's perfectly good money. It doesn't care if you're throwing it away or not. Um, but I understand the symbolic gesture of saying the money is is worthless to me. What was what was worthwhile to me is your life and your involvement in my life. Yeah, but he never he never made good on his promise. Really, he had to become this person in order to in order to try to save the restaurant and try to save his brother. And the further and further he went towards becoming that person, the further he walked away from the person who actually had the connection to all those things. Yeah, which is kind of the tragedy of well, him, it, uh, in my it, opinion, it's anyway. at least a. To me, it's a, a real tragedy that makes sense, and it's a good. And then, of course, they the end of the episode is a bit larded up with sort of the sentimental scenes between Toy and uh, and. Um, oh right, yes. That, when I said the end of the episode, I wasn't referring to that. You're talking about the code, oh, yes, like the, exactly. Where it's the, like the, the, yes, all those where they have like a, they, where they a play montage. on your heartstrings uh, as much yeah. as you can. Like here they are in better times. And you rarely see Shakaya's even then a moody teen when um, Toy is a, is a little boy. But you see there, that's when um, Toy gets his first soccer ball when he expresses an interest to Shakai. So it's all clearly soccer is tied up in all the emotions that um, Toy has with his brother. Uh, and it's all. Before we go on, you and I talked about this very briefly uh, through text messages, but we see a poster of that pose that we've been seeing the soccer kids do the the Kazuki and Ento were doing. I I would say yes. Uh, Well, I would not have said the soccer kids, but yes, of our, of our team here, of our golden, the golden pair. Sorry. Yes. The golden duo. Um, They're doing that. There's a guy on a poster doing the pose and it's, it's, it says Lionel Kappa and he has the number 10, but that's, that's a famous soccer player. Is he not? Yes. Lionel Messi is, uh, I would say, a very famous soccer player. Uh, yeah, like second to like Ronaldo or Ronaldo. <laughs> Ronaldo is in fact one of the famous soccer players. Ronaldinho is another. I mean, he's, they're not Pele, but uh, you know, uh, these are extraordinarily famous people. And we sit, if if we're sitting here talking about this, it basically makes us sound like complete um, backwoods people to the to the rest of the world outside of the U.S. For which soccer is, of course, the biggest sport. Um, in existence. I am transgender. I'm a I'm a woman transgender. I don't like soccer. I don't like balls of any kind. So uh, tell me, can you I probably should have said it that way. I think Yeah, I think that may have been uh an awkward way to say it, but let me ask you a question. Can you name any basketball players? Michael Jordan. Yes, you certainly can name some basketball players. Any football players? Yes, my mom often compared me uh favorably to um the new england quarterback i almost called him brett michaels but that's not right it's not right i'm trying to i'm trying to think of his name right now because it's been a while and he's no longer the quarterback for the new england patriots uh uh dean the fridge johnson is that right (laughs) 
Um, there was someone called the refrigerator, but he was on the bears. Uh, I, I think we can, um, uh, I mean, <laughs> Bill Blatherly. No, Bill, uh, no, that you're, you're talking about Bill Belichick. Um, Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick. that is not the, the quarterback. Um, Tom Sawyer. Uh, uh, yes. Um, He's married to Giselle. Yes. Uh, like I know Giselle. Tom Bunchen's Brady name. is the person that you're thinking Tom of. Tom Brady. I, I'm going right. to put you out of your. I was close. Um, I was close. Yeah, he is uh, very famous. But you can name someone. Um, most so when you, if you were to enter the rest of the world, the the top sports would be these. these oh players. yes, that's what I'm trying to say. People would be able to name them. It makes sense. Joe Namath. <laughs> <laughs> not not a quarterback for the Patriots, but yes, a very famous football player. Well done. Well done, Bree. Kobe Bryant. Another famous... Well, that's a tragic story. Basketball. Uh, no, you geez, had to go there. shouldn't bring that up. No, I don't want to go yeah, there. Just, it's already sad enough with the fictional Chikai. That's true. It, that one is getting tragic. Getting done down. But I, we do... I struggle with being emotional about Chikai's passing because... Uh, I would find it very difficult. I mean, it, it's it, to me, Chikai, it, it's unclear when Chikai last expressed emotions or feeling to Toy that were something that Toy could positively react to. We we barely ever see it when, when Chikai is in the entire show. We, we barely ever see that positive action that would cause that bonding to occur. He almost, like Chikai's last moments, he almost looks upset that he proved to be just as weak as his parents. It wasn't even like a, I feel sorry for the kid kind of moment. It was like, fuck. I'm, yeah, I I'm guess. And like, I'm, also, I'm just as weak and I'm going to be forgotten and I'm trash. And I'm super annoyed at like the, the cool persona that like he maintains throughout the entire thing. It's like, be real. Like you are, you're dying now. Like what is this? What is this? He even, was not long for this world. No, he, I completely agree with that. <laughs> he didn't play ball. Well, and you can't, you can't go over and start killing your own people. I mean, no, that's no, gonna was, that's gonna reflect badly on you. I mean, honestly, he was dragging Toy to his own funeral at the same rate. At, if you're gonna go down this path, right? Like, how is this gonna right. benefit Toy if he's running around with somebody everyone sees as a loose cannon? So let's get back to Kazuki and Enta yes. because um, we get a big shock. First of all, it's very touching the way it sort of plays out. You know, uh, Kazuki gets a bit of a wake-up call that maybe Enta is a little bit more important in his life than he may have been taking him for granted. Mm -hmm. But he also uh, is told by his sister just how much he means to him. And and Kazuki goes to sort of like just mourn his loss because the doctors think he's not going to make it through the night. Then Enta appears as a kappa. I love how you glossed over Oh, well, I don't really care that much about what happened to Kepi. I mean, no, I just have to. I we I can't leave it alone because this okay, is, okay. Let's talk about Kepi's scene then, because it is weird. This is a an an absolute failure in this in this particular anime because I don't know if this is supposed to have any meaning or is supposed to be a comedic interlude, but it fails either way. <laughs> and it, no, it, I laughed. Because the anus is the last piece of the ice kepi that got shattered by that weird truck uh, to get put into the... To get put back? Yeah. And she used pepper to 
bring him back. And a some, scalpel? Some Why would you need a scalpel to put pieces of something back together? Well, that's all. That's all humorous. Yes, the whole then, thing right? is. Well, I guess it's humorous, but it it was it was profoundly confusing at best. And I guess the whole point is that it's a Deus Ex Machina to take Kepi out of the plot line for a couple of episodes for a series of episodes. He wasn't even out that much. It's clear that he would have been very helpful if he could have been around. I suppose that's true. But he also that's true. he generally is not around for other things. Like he just hangs out in his garden. And then when the boys see a zombie, they come or they're summoned or something. It's not like he's a generally proactive. Yeah. There, you also get another gag, which I thought was pretty funny, that Sarah assembles him wrong. We never get to see the fully assembled. Right. Th- that gag falls completely flat for me because uh, you don't get to actually see the comedic or grotesque put together Kepi. I'm sorry, but do you remember how I was talking about how... Um, I liked the voice acting of Chikai. Well, I like the voice acting of Kepi as well. He's voiced by Suabe Junichi. I could listen to him say, Nanja Korea! <laughs> like, until the heat death of the earth. Like, that made me laugh so hard, I almost spit up what I was drinking at the time. What does that mean? It just, what the hell is this? <laughs> but it's all in the delivery. It's all in the delivery. Like, Mm-hmm. It's it's one of those moments where you know how there's like a set character voice and like sometimes it just sounds like they just like are just throwing that out just like coming out of there with like out of the out of left field with suddenly like a mm-hmm. a completely different take on the character that's kind of what it sounded like to me and um, you like it I liked it I liked it a lot I, I don't have any problem with the voice acting I think it's quite good but I also have to rely on the subtitles and the main three males are also relatively young like. They didn't choose females. Like I was, I was telling you, I was watching One Piece. That's famously voiced by Tanaki, Tanaka Mayumi, who's the woman who did Pazu mm-hmm. from Laputa Castle in the Sky, the Hayao Miyazaki film. So like she's been around forever, and she voices like the most recognizable like male shonen character in Japan currently. But that's that's not how they did it here. They they cast all boys or young men to do the, the roles of the three boys. I felt like I short shrifted the voice acting and like sort of the performance and the directing and stuff. And I just wanted to pay a little bit more well, service to that. I mean, these episodes, I would, so. I would second you if only because I, um, I, I thought it's been fairly seamless. I thought it's been quite good. And you know, that to me is just a necessary element for a quality piece of that. Hey there, I'm Marn, and I've got a new podcast right here on the Orange Groves Network. Every other Thursday on Dead Letter Society, I'm going to invite a friend into my library of terror to discuss a piece of horror fiction. We'll tackle topics like, why does Stephen King like evil clowns so much? Why is Ikea so inherently scary? And why don't young adult publishers like the horror genre? You can even read along with us week to week and weigh in with your own opinions on the Orange Groves Discord. So check out Dead Letter Society, a horror book club podcast, on the Orange Groves Network website or your podcast provider of choice. Hey Jory, have you ever watched the anime called One Piece? Yeah, Joe. I watch for a podcast that we do. What? You know, we are watching One Piece. I started watching it so you could rewatch it, and then we talk about it sometimes. I, I have I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, we don't do it super frequently. Once a month at best. Did, did you forget? 
We analyze the story and discuss the show's themes, characters, and compare it to other media, and how it provides an allegory for real-life politics and events. I, I must have forgotten. What, where can I listen to remind myself? You can listen at the Orange Groves Podcast Network or search for We Are Watching One Piece in your favorite podcast app. What's a podcast? This is one weird part that I just wanted to mention real quick. Um, Toei gets free lollipops from the Circle K or the Circle Keto. And Keto is the word for ribbit in in Japanese. So it's right along the same Kappa related. <laughs> um, and the guy says thank you in French. And we never see him for some reason, but he has he has this weird character moment. And I was reading up on it, and it turns out in, like, the pre-launch stuff, there was, like, a French guy that was uh, either also a Kappa or, like, he's, I guess, like, the fans went and invented, like, or or the manga artist invented some, like, backstory for him wow. or something. Anyway, I imagine it's in there simply to remind people of that one fan servicey moment. I don't know. I would, the most interesting question to me is, is this all we're supposed to know about Chikai? At least at this point, I am anxious to have a resolution to this. Well, what I thought was interesting is that Toei, what, if we're just seeing Chikai as a character from Toei's perspective, then the big moment there is actually when Toei asks him if he's going to throw him away. Uh, because psychologically, that's been sort of the tension there. Like, it seems like Chikai always had a foot out the door. And Toei has rely. <laughs> Toei has abandonment issues for good yes. reason. <laughs> but also he does it to himself. He abandons himself, which is interesting because he he gave up soccer. He he does everything for someone else. And that's someone else being Chikai. Chikai. And yet he's never sure whether Chikai is actually on his, like, we, we're never sure. And Toei never gets the assurance, right? He never gets the assurance that Chikai is actually going to be there for him. And it kind of comes to a head when he sees Masa killed. Although it, it doesn't, um, it in the sense of that is not the denouement. No, well, that's when he questions yeah. him for real. And that's, I think, one of the moments when Chikai's like, well, this kid's not going to make it. This kid's going to be weak and he's going to make a mistake and he's going to hold me back and I'm going to get killed. Anyway, let's move yeah. past that. We were talking about Enta. And because we now have Kepi back in play, he's able to turn Enta's like critically injured body, take his shirikodama and turn him into a kappa a kappa with a and time timer yeah he has a timer on the plate on his head that says how long he has until he actually dies um so they come up with a big rescue plan and that's when reo steps back into our story they were gonna go and get those plates back from reo 
And Kazuki has this whole thing where in the flashback, we saw him say uh, like a line about how he, it totally is his business uh, that like, cause Enta was like a kid that was often left alone. Uh, his parents never were settled or his, his family, I mean, weren't settled in one place. And he came back to the place, his hometown four years after not being there. And he was sort of ostracized and, and Kazuki was the one who invited him to play soccer. And he's the one who came up with this whole golden pair thing as a way to sort of like bridge, easily bridge the gap between them and, and make a friend. He brings that up again when Enta's not quite sure what to think because he was just like removed from his friends list, mm-hmm. basically. <laughs> he was just removed from his friends list. So he's not sure what to think. And then Kazuki says the line and that's it. They're going and they're going to go get the plates from Rayo and Mabu. And it's going to be great. It's going to be heroic and action adventure. And then Rayo shows up again, bastard. <laughs> and uh, he's going to take the plate and he manipulates he manipulates Enta's head. He goes inside of it and he makes it seem like Kazuki's the one who wants the plate. I think you went ahead. I, I want to talk about um, this scene with Rayo and Mabu because I didn't fully understand it here in episode nine. Um, it's the scene where Rayo says Mabu is back, basically, and he's eating these pastries, these otter shaped pastries. Um, that are filled with bean paste um, or bean jam. And uh, right. Rayo, it, and I felt like Mabu had been baking or had been trying to make food and like finally achieved making these pastries again. And as a result, Rayo was super happy, went out to the store, got a bottle of wine, said, my, you know, my Mabu is back. I'm going to, I'm in love. We're in love. I'm so happy comes back to what appeared to be the police station. So they're on duty. It's, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, I guess he left him there. He, he left him there on duty there. He's bringing back wine to an on duty place like this. This does not make any sense to me. They don't seem to, they don't seem to have the same rules as all the other police do anyway. Yeah, they, well, they don't, that's for sure. <laughs> um, I think that we can and, just assume that's true. But here's the thing that gets me like, what, why is, like we've been talking, this has been happening for years. Like the, mm. the original war between the otters oh. and the kappas occurred. I don't know when, but obviously a long time ago. Okay. Um, or at some time ago. And that's when Mabu was damaged yeah. um, or wounded and was an otter uh, fixed Mabu. And Rayo has apparently been rejecting Mabu saying, you're not, you're not my Mabu. You're not the real thing. Uh, and as we will find out, um, Mabu can't say anything about it. Can't really declare uh, his love for Rayo. But Rayo, at this very point in time, says, "This is my Mabu. You are my Mabu, and I'm I'm coming with these, you know, flowers and chocolate or wine and a meal, and and they're gonna make passionate love. I don't know. I don't know what they're gonna do, but but." He seems convinced that Mabu is back. And then we see, then there's the whole scene where Otter is um, saying, you know, performing maintenance, I guess, on Mabu or something. And like, I am you, uh, Rayo's, or Otter says to Rayo and looks like 
this like evil deranged version of Rayo and, and, um, and the actual Rayo gets very mad and smashes his bottle of wine. Uh, I was very confused by this. What is going on that this is causing a, causing Rayo to say he's going to get the dishes of hope, which we, he wanted them before. Right. So where is this, what has happened? Well, I don't understand what happened that Rayo thought that he had Mabu again, or, or there was some like point that was reached and then got pulled away again by Otter. I did not understand it. Do you understand it? I'm going to go with the best interpretation that I can at this point. It is going to get a little bit into episode 10. That's um, fair. We're, well, we're in episode 10 here. We are. We're sort of bouncing back and forth. I mean, not a whole lot happens in the Kazuki thing that we didn't already talk about. Um, most of that comes to a head when they try to rescue the plates from uh, from the otters. Mabu's convinced. Reyes, Reyo is convinced that this is his Mabu, right? That the flavor is finally right. They're cooked perfectly. Like there's this Japanese moment of like like a, a kind of contented warmth. Like <laughs> where like the, you could just tell they're really well done this time. Like last time they were like, he was like bit into it and it was like half cooked. And so this time he bites into it. It's perfectly cooked. And he's like, this is my Mabu. He finally is back. Like it's almost like he was convalescing this whole time and kind of working his way back to himself. And Ray comes he wasn't, in and he was there. And you're right. He's, he's all like ready for romance. And he realizes the worst fear is that he's losing Mabu to the otter. Because we find out in episode 10 that when he overheard Rayo or yeah, Mabu, when Rayo overheard Mabu talking about uh, him, not only did he say he hated him, something that the otter made him to say, the best of my and we'll ability. talk about that. You can explain to the audience a little bit how that works. But he said he hated him to seal the deal, so to speak, in like in the sort of bargain that he made, he struck with the otters that he's not allowed to talk about how he feels. Well, he he's can not love allowed him. to love he him. He simply can't tell he can him be near that him and feel him. however yeah. he wants. I want to connect, but I can't. He can't say it. He can't express it. The, the, and, and what he sees after that is not what is that, what we see. What we see is that the otter takes the form of Rayo and they sort of make out. And what and Rayo sees is just the otter all over Mabu. And then once, once uh, he, he goes and looks at the otter again, he sees the dark-eyed Rayo again. This time it's Rayo, and he's licking the mechanical heart. So whether he sees Rayo or not, it's not entirely certain at that point, but it does confuse him. And then he comes out with that whole line. I'm going to read it verbatim because it's kind of, it's kind of well-written. Um, and it, it explains a lot that we've sort of been in the dark about. We otters are merely concepts. I exist as a mirror of your desires. You're the one who wanted to own Mabu to lock lips with this hollow machine. You're merely being played with by the otters. You're merely being made to act as we want you to. What matters most, him or me? How do I look to you? And I I kept 
feeling like that's the moment when Mabu kind of snap or Rayo's snaps because now he feels like a fool for, for falling for the gag, right? Like the otters have been laughing at him this whole time. And this hasn't been his Mabu. This is just a puppet that they've been performing and he's fallen for it. And he's so mad at himself. And that's when we see this Venn diagram of him and he's disconnected from everything and he's betrayed and he's alone. And he decides that he absolutely, because it seemed like he, he wasn't going to care too much about the plate if his Mabu was back. But now that he's... Yeah, that was that was very discordant to me. Like he went out to get the plates, didn't find the plates, shot, or sorry, did find the plates. But he needs shot, one more. Um, he needs one more. He needs more. one more. But he didn't seem to be concerned about it. Well, I don't think he did capture Kepi at one point, right? In the next episode, I guess. They do capture. Well, that's an episode. Okay, to yeah. Well, Kepi. we're kind of bordering that, but yes. Yeah. So in this, in the arc that we're discussing, in the arc on that we're discussing, today, um, he he does capture Kepi, and he does sort of like um, grab the. He's about to grab the last plate. Let's. He doesn't go after the fifth plate. Or after oh yeah, Kepi. what I'm saying is that he believed that his Mabu was back and that he didn't need the plates right. anymore. Right. He's he's so lost on he's so on cloud nine that he's become blind to what's going on, and the otter uses that moment to manipulate him again. And it's pretty clear that the otter wants the plates by the end of episode ten. So I was I was going off on a tangent, and we had to come back again to finish out episode nine. But in episode 10, the boys come up with a plan. They're going to break into the Otter Empire. They're going to steal back the plates, assemble them, and they're going to save Enta's life. Because Enta is on the verge of death. On borrowed time. borrowed time, exactly. And if they don't save him, he's gone. So... Uh, just as they're about to do this, Rayo shows up. He's been manipulated. His, he's very confused. All he knows is that's not his Mabu. He wants his Mabu back. Um, he had a huge moment, actually. I should talk about that. He had a huge moment with Mabu where he he lashed out at him and just said, you are not my Mabu. You are just a fake and I want the real thing. And he he kind of broke Mabu's heart in that moment, and then he goes on he goes and gets the plate by manipulating uh, Enta, who is carrying it in his carapace, I guess. Yeah, that was I, I don't know how this had otherwise like where was the physical Enta carrying it? Right. Who knows whether these things uh, exist within like some kind of like hyperspace or something? I don't know, but. We we get that scene where um, he holds them at gunpoint again. He, he's about to get or he's about to get the plate from Enta by manipulating him into thinking Kazuki's the one asking for it. But then, as you have been pointing out, as soon as Rayo tries to use his sexual desire, Enta's sexual desire for Kazuki against him, he draws a line in the sand and he says, "I don't want that kind of relationship." I just want to play soccer again. <laughs> yeah, he he that was because the the desire or love juxtaposition if anybody yes. chooses desire they they fail or they 
they have no power against um, this particular entity. And in this case, this is a, a powerless attack against Enta. It snaps Enta out of it, and then just like, no, this is this is not what I want. That's not that's not gonna fly. Right, and I don't know if that's something he has reckoned with recently. If if over the series we've watched him sort of wrestle with his own emotions and come to these... Well, we had a huge conversation about this earlier where I was saying that it was not sexual love and you're saying... And you were saying, well, but that's not consistent with what we're seeing. We've got this kiss. So actually, that makes sense. What you just said, it is a reckoning that's happened over the content. Yeah. We had an episode where he... Where Enta kissed... Kazuki, Kazuki either pretends not to know or genuinely doesn't know that this happened. Enta is wrestling with the fact that that he wants Kazuki, but he it's not clearly articulated in what fashion. And so you and I discuss whether that's you know I'll, I'll call it brotherly love versus emotion versus sexual love. Um, or is this sort of a um, Samwise Gamgee and Frodo Baggins sort of totally chased? Uh, love, which is apparently what it is, because that's that's how he withstands uh, what Rayo wants, or how Rayo tries to manipulate. Right, him. but imagine the Samwise Gam. <laughs> imagine the Samwise and Frodo relationship if Samwise was sexually interested in Frodo, but put those feelings or assorted those sorted those feelings into boxes where he could still operate as his brother, and 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 sort of like shelve those feelings like, okay, I've learned through my interactions that Kazuki's not going to be interested in that. And he's never going to, he's never going to notice me that way or see me that way. So I can put my emotions in this box, put them away and just focus on what I can have with Kazuki or in this case, Frodo. Okay, but... I mean, at the end when um, they were jumping on the beds, many people speculated that <laughs> it was a little too no, happy. I'm just saying... A moment. It should be that when Rayo is forcing Enta to choose... No, I get it. I get or, it. I know what you're saying. I think the audience who's listening probably knows too. But Don, what happens then? Then Mabu expresses... Doesn't Mabu show up then? He shows up slightly after that, but um, at that moment, Enta smashes the plate. Oh, that's right. Because he's rejecting the idea. And so Leo has no more, no one has any hope with of having the plate now. No pun intended. The fifth <laughs> plate of hope is gone. Yes. Rayo did offer to erase Kazuki from the timeline in order to save Enta but Kazuki refuses to give up their connection for the sake of their future together as friends. <laughs> um, Rayo has Kepi and Mabu at gunpoint, calls him a half-baked doll. Mabu says that the otter knows about the plates and has been reading his memories. Rayo scolds him harshly again and says he's yet again disappointed. And it's so cruel because Mabu is just constantly disappointing him. And that's sort of what their relationship has become. The boys get loose. Mabu tries to tell Rayo something again. He's trying to tell him he loves him, but he can't. Uh, he screams out, you aren't my Mabu. Not the one who found me alone and told me the words I long to hear. And this is the moment that we kind of see like the arrow go straight into Mabu's heart. And he's just like, feels all that pain. 
And to me, that suddenly started making a lot of sense because the otter has been trying to get Rayo to break Mabu's heart, uh, mechanical or not. Because that's what he feeds on. You know, he, he's got the whole desire thing. And then we get another bombshell, and that's the dark Kepi. Yeah, I was very... Darkness. This is where I feel like... Darkness. I was definitely annoyed by the appearance of Dark Kepi in the sense of, I feel like this is backstory <laughs> that I, as a as a viewer, simply don't know how to react to. Like, this is half of your whole being has been trapped down here by Otter, and this was part of this war that happened long ago. Like, is this a good thing is trapped down here? Is it a bad thing? I don't, I, I can't tell. I don't know what this thing is. Yeah, um, they kind of explain it as he was split into two halves, one of, like, despair and the other, I don't know, it's like a yin and yang thing, hope. Yeah, I, I understand conceptually. And that's that's when he enters Enta's mind, Rayo enters Enta's mind, and he manipulates him and tries to get him to 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 give him the plates as Kazuki. And that's when you get that big moment. So Enta's given himself up. He can't be saved, it would seem, right? Enta? Yeah, because the plates are now smashed. Oh, yes. With the, with the plates being smashed, there is no hope for Enta. Mabu talks about how he got his wish, but it's not how you think. And it turns out that, as we were talking about earlier, he wanted to be with his love the only love in his life. But in order to do that, he couldn't tell him he loved him. And he thought that maybe if he just kept pushing, kept trying to be the person he was, the best Mabu he could be, that maybe it would get through to Rayo and Rayo would see him. It's almost like a fairy tale to me. Yeah, I would agree. But I would also point out this fairy tale succeeded. We saw that in episode nine. Uh, Rayo had accepted Mabu. This is my Mabu. My Mabu has cooked me the meal. Apparently, it was that was the key to Mabu's hardest, or sorry, to Rayo's hardest through his belly. But uh, <laughs> cooked him the the best meal and or the 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 correctly cooked things, and and Rayo was there. Otter is the one who comes in and messes it all up. Oh yeah, and, and he, uh, I think he knew what he was doing. Or oh, absolutely, it knew I mean, what it was doing. <laughs> Uh, but I'm, I'm, I still don't understand Otter, and maybe there'll be more information about Otter. What is your take on Otter, Otter right now, based on what we know? And you can give us more information that you sort of learned in this episode, if it helps. I mean, I don't know that I have that information to give. I feel like Otter is a manifestation of um, negative energies that that prey on like uh, the negative tensions that we all wish to resolve, mm. right? Unrequited desire um, or desires that are expanded and take over your existence as opposed to being correctly balanced with, you know, like if you, if you desire someone and they're there for you and they love you back, then, essentially that desire is quenched in a way like you that desire is met that need is met um and otter instead wants needs to be unmet 
um, causing their parties to spiral out of control. But what I still don't know is what does Otter do? For example, if Rayo and Mabu were still out there, because apparently this had been going on for a long time until um, Kepi created the Kappas, is capturing these zombies or creating these zombies either way, what does that benefit uh, Otter? I just don't know. And without that knowledge, I feel like there's a humongous piece missing in my appreciation for this titanic battle between the Otters and the Kappas. I don't know. And I don't want to give away too much of what I do know, which comes in the finale, but... It's like a battle of souls almost. Sure. But there again, when you talked about yin and yang to me, that might be what it is, except I don't see Kepi and, or the Kappas as the, maybe the yin or the yang. Um, uh, the yin, yin is the, the, they'd be the yang, wouldn't they? It's one of those words you use, right? But you don't actually know what it refers well, to. Well, I I know that I don't know what it is, and I'm confident enough to say that I don't know. But I I thought the yin was like the female power, the, right? The white the, side, the dark of it. side. No, wait, is, the yin. Oh, the, the yin's side. the dark side. That's what no. I thought. Which is why I'm calling the otter is clearly the negative manifestation here. I don't necessarily see. I mean, yeah, it's kept me the positive. Is, I don't. Right. I mean, Kepi is the one absorbing these Shirikadama um, and then perhaps quenching the desire, mitigating this overwhelming need, I suppose, doing it in a really weird way, but okay. I'm Cam. I'm Jory. And we're the hosts of CWFP, the casual wrestling fan podcast. Your weekly universe-friendly alternative for WWE wrestling recaps, discussion, and riffs from two friends who just love wrestling. And occasionally also New Japan, Impact, and All Elite thoughts as well. If you're tired of Marks constantly booing a product they (laughs) regularly support and pay for, you can find us hosted on the Orange Groves Network or through your preferred podcasting app. Wait, why won't The Undertaker stop booing the company? Hello, you beautiful blood-sucking babes. I'm Sahana. And I'm Kat. And we're the hosts of Summer Twilight Book Club, a podcast where two dumb bitches with social work degrees reread the four horniest books of their teenage years. If you're at all curious about any of the following, this is the podcast for you. Does Bella Swan have a car crash fetish? Yes. I am telling you right now, the answer is yes. Does Stephanie Meyer understand healthy relationship boundaries? Has Bella Swan ever had a secure attachment in her life? How has Twilight impacted the societal and my personal conceptions of romance? Why does Stephanie Meyer Osahana and all other brown people reparations? Why is Edward Cullen so into edging? You can find Summer Twilight Book Club at theorangegirls.com or on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you access podcasts to find out. favorite movies is I Heart Huckabees, where it turns out that two opposing philosophies are working to resolve people's uh, issues without telling them that they're working together. On the one hand, there's this guy, these existential detectives that are suggesting that the world is completely connected, that everything is connected to one another, that we're all part of some soul blanket. And then on the other side, 
there's the nihilistic side. This woman is is preaching like we should all do whatever we want because nothing is connected and no one feels anything. And I think that sort of idea could play into how you interpret the Kappa versus the Otter. Like maybe they're trying to find an outcome from two opposite directions, but without those two forces pushing things together, maybe the, maybe the characters wouldn't be connected the way they get, they are connected. Uh, I can't give too much more information because I will give stuff away, but I don't think that that's a bad way to think about it. Okay. I've given you food for thought. I can tell. You, you certainly have. Um, but it just going off of the idea in, given to us in this episode they, that the dark kepi is one half of kepi and that those two sides are sort of a yin and yang quality, right? Uh, sure. Well, certainly dark kepi and kepi seem to be a yin and yang, except that I, that would, where does that place otter? And again, what does otter want? So don't know. Yep. We'll talk about it when we talk about the finale. I'm sure it's going to be a long show, just even though it's just one episode. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I just, I hate Otter. <laughs> I, I hate well, I how he comes in and he's like, Uso. I, I find him like vaguely soothing in a way. Like he is, he's unctuous and evil, but mm, I like that um, word. Uh, but. He's clearly good at what he does. Like he's managed to manipulate and destroy everything and everyone. Um, it's unclear, you know. Uh, we've just discussed what he wants, but that's or or how he manifests what he wants, which is creating these tensions. Um, but I I, I want to know what the end game is. Yeah, I don't know what anybody's end game is to be honest. Well, like Enta wants status quo. Um, Toy wants his brother back, but even when he had his brother, like that wasn't a good state of the world. In the finale, when he is trying to, is wait, wait, no, I'm no, sorry. The finale of this the episode, finale. the climax. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, sorry. In the climax of the this finale, episode, and I'm like, what are you doing? When the climax of this episode, when uh, Kazuki is going to use the dish to save Enta. I guess he has another dish. I forgot. They get a dish when um, Rayo, we didn't even talk about the fact that Mabu is made into a a zombie. Ah, That's my least favorite part of every episode. I do like that. I do like, I I do like Rayo being the Kappa, but yes, it's a little different. Well, this one I actually found interesting if only because we had watched this so repetitively before, but now it was only Rayo and Mabu and Mabu has willingly sacrificed himself because he cannot stand the tension any longer. He cannot have his heart be wounded so much. Um, and so he's like, I just give up. I'm, I'm going to tell you Rayo what I feel. Right. I didn't understand how Otter made Mabu into a zombie. Like, to me, the oh, he wanted to be. An ex- That's yeah, how I interpreted why? that. He wanted but to be because I, I he wants I, to give him a dish. 
Oh. He's not good enough. He's it's been made clear to him. His heart's broken. And the last thing he he says is like he wants him to grant this final wish. So he he sacrifices himself, becomes a zombie. And uh I like that his zombie was not uh was not like like sitting prone waiting for like the 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 anal probe or whatever. Uh his zombie was just sitting there drinking tea. But what is so the zombies are usually like manifestations of desires that have run amok and taken them over. Well, that's what we've seen them create. We don't know whether that's the only type of zombie that could exist. And Mabu would seem to suggest that it isn't. Okay, you've got me there. I Because Mabu is not that kind of zombie. Mom, Mabu chooses to become a zombie. But then in the process is telling Rayo, like, I do love you. And then it is a tragic, this is, you know, this is a capital T tragedy um, that we're seeing unfold, whereby... <sighs> Reo kills or removes the Shirogadama from Mabu, killing him, I guess. I'm never quite sure what happens to these uh, these zombies, but well, it does seem to be the end of Mabu. He joins him, um, right, at first. They both become Kappa. They both become, well, after the Shirogadama is removed, that's when they're both there. I think as Kappa, and they turn back into people, humanoid yeah. forms. Yes, uh, and then the leak is is when you find out that Mabu is telling Rayo, "Here, I'm. I'll share with you my inner the the vision that I saw with the otter, where I was forced to deny my love for you." Yeah, um, and then Rayo is of course driven absolutely mad by grief. Yeah, and he actually. When he comes back, it, what happens to all zombies happens to to him as well. And Mabu is suddenly just a blank in his world. He's just this empty oh, space. Right. Yes. He's he's removed from... Because... I didn't understand He this. did he's tell removed. him he loves him. He turned yes. around in, the, in the, the water tunnel, whatever that is. He turned around and told him he loved him. And I was crying. <laughs> Uh, which is it speaks to the power of the show because we didn't get that much from Mabu and Rayo, Rayo and Mabu. So, well, I mean, I I became very they're, invested they're in a short amount of time. They're they're much more tragic figures to me than than um, than Toy and his brother, uh, only because um, the brother is <laughs> so irredeemable. But I mean these. I mean, they're, in fact, these characters they're bastards, Rayo and Mabu, for what yeah, they you're did. Right. To... You're right, but I agree. I felt more like, um, I felt more connected to them, and I felt more like, I mean, Rayo has always seemed to care about Mabu, right. and Mabu has always seemed to care about Rayo. Even if they're bastards to the rest of the world, at least they're kind to each other. Um, but I, I couldn't, you know, it, it was interesting to see how that played out, and then... And then you have the you know the tragic figure of Rayo wandering around, not even knowing what this. He has this tremendous sense of loss, but nothing to connect. Exactly, him. and this is when Toei shoots him. Yes, and Toei shoots him, and then I guess they become accessories. <laughs> I'm not really I, sure. I 
But you, were they you didn't kill a human either. I wasn't really sure. Oh yeah, they're right. Those those symbols. They well, I mean, Mabu became one first, and then yeah, he was Rei, gifted Rei of... the the symbol that represented Mabu, which said Mabu in Japanese on it, was gifted to Rayo by Kepi, and then Rayo still went crazy, got shot, and then he became one of those, and then. Kippy holds on yeah, to Presumably them. that's where the story ends. I, well, it certainly ends from my perspective. because uh, that's. But it's also interesting that they are supernatural beings that therefore can be reduced to some sort of... Trinket isn't the right, world, right word. It seems as if they're dormant or, or right. uh, reset versions that need to be restarted somewhere. This turns out to be a blessing in disguise, though, because now a new plate is generated. And that plate can be merged with the other plates to create a wish to save Enta. Um, there is something really or strange that happens before that, though. Haruka is with the actual Sarah. Why? How? I have no idea. Yeah, I was. That bit confused me tremendously, and we still haven't resolved the fact that Sarah can turn into a Kappa. And Haruka's talking about a dream he had where he flies away and he sees the little prince and the little prince is like telling him to choose between desire and love. And I, my interpretation of that is still kind of foggy. I, I don't remember all of the details of the finale or if this is answered. But what I do remember is that that might be his vague recollection of having been boxed and almost killed or killed. Oh, yeah. But maybe he <coughs> just dreamed it. I don't know, though. And uh, he thinks that if he had chosen between desire and love, that the circle would have ended, meaning no more connection to everybody outside of it. Hmm. Maybe that's to help explain what happened to Leo or Mabu. I don't know. I don't, I don't ultimately know. But Sarah then says, this world is being tested once more. So it's been tested before. Will it be part of things or disconnected? And then that's when Haruka drops the Sarah dish. And then Kazuki merges the dishes into one gold dish. And we finally have the big moment. And that's when Toei comes out and demands to bring his brother back from the dead. But Kazuki does, ignores him basically and brings Enta back anyway. Yep. Uh, and, and this was super sad to me because Toei is just so damn tired. And, yeah, but I also think that this is completely the right move to do. And the otter, which doesn't appear as an otter exactly. It's more like that dark mirror that they were referring to. This dark force pulls Chikai away and uh, lures him with the enticing desire of having his brother back. And that's sort of where we leave it off. Chikai says, let's yes. go outside the circle together. It's not his Chikai, though. It's it's either a manifestation of his own psyche or it's the otter manipulating that image to control him. Why? And once again, we get to that. Yeah, again, we don't know why. But is that a desire? Like, this is a thing I don't understand. It's a, it's a want. It's a need from Toy. But Well, he wanted... And would have wished to bring his brother back had the plate been there. Yes, but it's he's motivated out of love because it's not it's certainly not sexual desire. 
The plates seem like a trick to me. I don't know. Is that because we got a giant um, bunch of food the last time the plates were used effectively? (laughs) That's true. And that was a golden plate that he wasted, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, it was... It's uh, kind of insane when you think about it. Absolutely insane. Absolutely. That's like that. But basically, that's like the first wish that you get when you get the three wishes on the, from the genie, right? It's always something dumb. Except in oh, Aladdin. Man. In Aladdin, he uses them wisely all across the board, basically. Well, he's the diamond in the rough. Yeah. Well, that has a bit of a, like prophecy to it but um yeah i will say that i think they built up to i think they earned all of these payoffs thank you so much for listening to our podcast um it's always a pleasure uh we are part of the orange groves podcast network um a bunch of diverse creators and smaller podcasts um made by marginalized voices and you know just like different perspectives and i i love what they do we have a patreon patreon.com slash the orange groves spelled as you think and uh, all of our links are you know in our notes and in our bio so go check it out if you become a patreon you can get patron you can get lots of cool stuff like uh, exclusive content um you can also come to our discord at any time and you'll have your own section for patrons where you can really really get lay into us and we'll definitely listen to what you have to say uh or you can share artwork and we'll we'll sit we'll send it out across our socials and everything you know whatever you guys want to do um and you can help us decide what other series we'll cover so um there's a lot of benefit to becoming a patron anyway we will see you for the finale uh it may not be the last episode we do on summers online i think there may be one more at least but Yeah, we're excited, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. See you next time. I mean, I won't see you. (laughs) What's the uh, what's the phrase we go out on? Uh, Okashkuikoyo. Okashkuikoyo. Good. I'm just gonna put our two voices together. I'm I'm giving up on the whole like trying to get it synced at the same time. I, I, I honestly, for me, it always sounds synced, and I guess for you, it definitely. That time, it definitely wasn't, but okay. Yeah.